Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I've entitled today's teaching, Christmas, The Power and the Pain. You don't hear many sermons that have anything to do with pain around Christmas time. But I bet we're about to prove that for whatever reason, and I think I can give you some insight this morning, not only is joy enhanced around Christmas time, but I think I can help you see why there's so much enhanced pain during this season. Let's go to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, what does that tell you about the Word? The Word is a person, right? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. So who was the creative agent of the Godhead? Jesus. The living Word. Turn me down just a little bit, Wayne. And without Him, all things were made through Him, and without Him, verse 3, nothing was made that was made, and in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not katolambano, translated comprehend, also translated overcome, and also translated quench or snuff out. The darkness does not snuff out, understand, or overcome the light. We see in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. John says in his epistles that what we have touched and felt and seen and handled, the living Word who has become flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus' name is Yeshua, Deliverer, and His title is Christ, Christos. Do you know what that means? Christ, the literal, every time somebody says Jesus Christ, they are literally saying Jesus, Christos, the Anointed One. The Anointed One. Well, what is he anointed to do? Turn back to the left to to Luke chapter 4. And we will see what the anointed one was anointed to do. Why did God send Jesus, the anointed one, 
What was he anointed to do? By the words of his own testimony, we see what Jesus is anointed to do. And you're going to see that the word said in the Old Testament that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. What is the anointing? It is the coming on, the supernatural coming on to that which is not have life in and of itself, but it is it, it gives a what I call a God-given advantage. It places supernatural power and ability on something that is devoid of it in and of itself. I ask for the anointing of God on every every time that I teach the word in this church. I cry out for it. I have to have it. Why do I do that? I am asking for that which is in Him to be deposited and imparted through me because apart from Him, I don't have what it takes to minister that which is spiritual in nature and holy. It is that which He empowers. The anointing. Whatever your assignment is, the anointing is for your assignment. Some of you run your own business. If you are operating in your assignment from God, you have the ability to go to the Lord and ask for the anointing. The supernatural ability to do that which He has assigned you to do. If you're not asking for the anointing in your business, you are missing the supernatural ability that God wants to grant you as a business person. Supernatural. The anointing was represented many times in the Old Testament by the anointing or the smearing of oil representing that there is going to be an empowerment here that is supernatural, way beyond the human and the fleshly. <laughs> Jesus, the anointed one, says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord, and he's quoting the book of Isaiah here, it prophesied of him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, supernaturally empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not just those who are financially poor, but those who are poor on the inside. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody in here understand what being brokenhearted means? He has sent me to proclaim liberty to those who are captives. Recovery of sight to those who can't see it. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, beaten down, been run over by circumstances in life and even the devil. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In the Old Testament, that meant the year of Jubilee, when debts were canceled, when there was a restoration of financial provision. There is one who is anointed to meet every need. That is, to meet every internal need and every external need. If Jesus is the anointed one, and this is the way the reasons why He's come. 
What will keep us from experiencing that anointing? What is it? Why is it so difficult this time of year? Why does pain come to the surface? Now just so I know that Dina and I are not the only one who experiences this acutely during this time of year. How many of you, for whatever reason, some between Thanksgiving and, the, and Christmas, how many of you, for whatever reason, really struggle with, with pain coming to the surface? Raise your hand. Do you watch the news? Do you read the newspaper? Why is it that it seems that this section of time seems to always be the time when there's more calamity, more pain, more heartache, more murders? It, it's unbelievable. Why is that? There is a world that we all have to live and operate in that operates in the realm of darkness, is there not? How many of you remember after the birth of Jesus, the anointed one, what those who were in power politically and religiously, namely Herod, what did he attempt to do? When he heard the news, he attempted and he sent out a decree that every baby under two years old was to be what? Mass murders of innocent life. Why? Because the anointed one had come, and because it wasn't him, and because he was full of darkness, and light exposed darkness, he wanted to snuff out the light. There is a vicious attack on everybody who carries the anointed one in their inner man to destroy that light, especially during the celebration of the coming of the Anointed One. It's worldwide. The enemy is still doing everything he can do to attack not only the Anointed One, but those who carry that anointing. And how many of you know that's you? Did you know that the word Christ means the Anointed One but did you also know that Christian, Christian, found in the book of Acts, the disciples were first called Christians. A Christian is a little anointed one. The anointed one lives on the inside of you as a believer. And you as a follower of the anointed one are called little anointed one. Do you know that on the inside of you, there is the anointing to remove burdens and break yokes? Do you know that on the inside of you, the Spirit of the Lord is active not only to preach the gospel to the poor, but to heal you if you've got a broken heart? To proclaim liberty to those of you who are captives to whatever it is that has enslaved you. 
to enable you to see clearly again and to set you at to set you in a free place to give you liberty where you are being oppressed and to bring restoration to that broken brokenness that is in your financial provi- that financial provision part of your life that is vastly important the lord of the harvest there is one on the inside of you the anointed one pain always comes to the surface during this time for two reasons i've told you about the reason of the enemy trying to destroy the light but it's also because many times it is in the time of our pain that the anointed one can do his best work. I told Scott Griffin this week, and I, I don't know how many of you all know Scott Griffin. You probably saw him if you were watching the aftermath of that game. I saw him last night between 10 and 10.30. <laughs> you did good to get up and get here today, my friend. I told him this week, sometimes the greatest definition of success is that you got up. You got up. You didn't lay in the bed, pull the covers, and decide it's over. There was a Christmas when Bryant was ill, had an emergency run with the paramedics on Christmas Day. I can remember in a hospital watching him breathe, crying out to God with all my heart not to let him die on Christmas Day. Our pain gets intensified around this time of year because stuff comes to the surface. Absence. Shattered dreams. You say, Pastor, that's not a good news kind of... Wait, we're going to get there. What is it? What kills your celebration? Is it Relationships? Is it brokenness? Is it rejection? Is it financial lack and pressure? Is it your own health or lack of it? Is it circumstances and other people and everything just caving in on you? What will it take to kill your celebration of the anointed one? One of the most powerful times that Dean and I ever had was in great sadness where we tried to get away from all the frilly things around this season. A simple getting up on the day we celebrate is Christmas and thanking God for the gift of the Anointed One. Sometimes success is only defined by getting up. Because when you do, 
you were saying, I believe that whatever I'm going through, there is one who has the power to heal my broken heart. He's anointed. It's going to take more than just human effort. He's anointed. Many of you have gone and are going through all kinds of brokenness. But I want to remind you today that you're a little anointed one, that the anointed one lives on the inside of you. And he can remove every burden and break every yoke and give you the sustaining power to get through whatever you need to do. I want to call your attention briefly in closing today to Joseph's journey in Matthew 1. Would you turn there with me to the left? Matthew 1. Joseph was, had, his, had his dreams intact. He had found the woman that he believed was his soulmate and that would be with him the rest of his life. In verse 18 of chapter 1, the birth of Jesus, the anointed one, Christ, was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and betrothal in that culture was just as, just as legal as marriage. I mean, if you broke off an engagement there, you were guilty of divorce. Before they came together, that is intimately and sexually, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, the Bible says, an upright man. What is an upright man? It's a man who makes the right choices in private. It's a man who does the right thing when no one else is looking. It's a man who doesn't succumb to what everybody else says is right. He doesn't care about being politically correct. He just is concerned about doing the right thing. He's not concerned about that which society says is now okay, but is biblically right. He does the right thing. A just man. He is upright. He's not twisted or turned by the opinions of this world. Joseph was an upright and just man. And he didn't want to make her, verse 19, a public example. And in his mind he said, I'm going to get her away from the public eye. Even though I don't understand what in the world is going on, I refuse to criticize and ostracize. In fact, I'm going to do what I can to protect her. How many of you know sometimes you don't understand what's going on with somebody else, but God may just call you to be a protecting agent? Joseph, Wanted to protect. In verse 20, while he thought about these things, after he got the news that she was pregnant, 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is not another man. This is a God thing. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Yeshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, spoken by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, verse 24 being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, that is, intimately, sexually know her, until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph was different. Only a champion could navigate these waters. Are you willing to be different? Are you willing to be to do the right thing? Are you willing to obey confused? When you don't get it, are you willing to take the next right step? Notice, this was not at all what Joseph had in mind. How would you like for an angel to visit you one night and say, the woman that you are about to marry is pregnant? How would you like to process that? Not what he had in mind. Notice, Joseph was told, don't be afraid God is at work to do something here that you are going to be a vehicle and part of. I don't know about you, but if I'm Joseph, I would have said, Now, this, of all the people in all the world that you could have chosen to do this with and for, why me? Many of you have dreams and plans that have been shattered lately. You would never have dreamt or planned for it to happen this way, but here it is on your plate and in your face right now. Never planned it this way. Not what I had in mind. God intervened and told Joseph that he had a different plan. Are you willing to say with Joseph, your plan is higher than mine? I submit to yours. You think there was any pain involved in not having the little family and the dream the way he had always dreamt it to be? You think there was any pain involved for those dreams to be shattered? For those disappointments to rise up and grab him by the throat? I want to say to some of you here today that the plan that you're walking through was not your dream or plan and it seems 
so difficult and so confusing. But I want you to know that God is not taking His eye off you. He has a higher plan. And there is no possible way you can understand it all today. But make the decision to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own ability to understand. There is a higher plan being worked out on your behalf. He was a different man. God showed him a different plan. And then God led him to a different land. You notice there in chapter 2, you find out that the wise men came to visit, to adore the, the newborn king. They were looking for him. They had an audience with Herod. He told them, look, you go and find him, and when you find him, come back and let me know where he is so I can worship him too. He wanted to destroy him. How many of you know that there is a spirit of the Antichrist that is active? What is the spirit of the Antichrist? The anti-anointed one. There is bitter hatred towards the anointed one. And there are self, self-absorbed agendas to destroy everything that is in the light. Is that going to happen? No. Notice that the word says, they they. They gave their treasures to him, verse 11. Golds, frankincense, and myrrh. Hmm. You know, there are a lot of people who believe that Jesus was poor. My Lord, when he was a baby, he was brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, all kinds of things that were merchantable in those days. Gold? Are you kidding me? That's just a side note to make you think about something. Now, verse 13, when they had departed, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. I want you to run. How many of you know that sometimes to protect that which God is ordaining in your life, He is going to move you out of the familiar? Egypt? Are you kidding? Not the land that I've I've been brought up in and I'm comfortable with. God says, you stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. Okay, you have just already destroyed my plan for the way I have it all figured out and now you're making me move out of this land where everybody knows me. I have an established business. He was a carpenter, a wonderful trade. I, I have an established business here. People know me. I, I, my synagogue's here. I mean, everything that I want and need is right here. And God says to protect the anointing. To protect the anointed one. 
I am going to move you into that which is not familiar. Some of you in the sound of my voice today are being moved by the voice of the Lord into a land that is not familiar to you. You've never gone that way before. You didn't think that that was where you were supposed to be. But God is at work. You're uncomfortable about it, but He doesn't ask you to be comfortable. He asks you to be obedient. So what am I going to do? Joseph heard this word from God and was willing to go with the anointed one in his presence and go into a different land for the protection of the anointed. My Lord. The Lord asks me quite often, what are you willing to do? protect the anointing? Are you willing to get outside of your own comfort zone and go into a season that you're not familiar with? It's a sobering question, isn't it? Notice he went only at the direction of the Lord and notice I want you to notice verse 15, that he was there until the death of Herod. Then we find out that he came back to Nazareth. He came back after that season. He was brought back to a familiar place. To familiar people. To a familiar trade. Reestablished his business. Taught his son, the anointed one, the trade. And was established in the city of Nazareth. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There are some of you listening to me today that God is leading you into a different place You don't understand it. You've never been there before. It seems like a foreign land to you. But it's only for a season. God is going to bring you back to that place, to those people, and to that which you know and you are good at and reestablish you. Trust Him. Trust Him. Be obedient. That different land. You know something I guarantee you in the life of Joseph there was something in his obedience that could have only been developed through disruption. Say, Pastor, that's a, that's a misnomer. How can you develop something? How can something get established if it's disrupted? Just like I tell you all the time, there's strength that is born out of struggle. There is establishment born out of disruption. If you will obey, even when you're fearful and confused, just take the next right step. Let's all stand.
Here's a question I ask you in closing today. What's it going to take to destroy your celebration this year? The anointed one is on the inside of you and he is anointed to remove every burden and break every yoke. So whenever this pain rises to the surface, reconnect with the anointed one who lives on the inside of you as a believer. Remembering that he heals the brokenhearted, that he sets captives free, and that he's going to bring you into the favorable year of the Lord, that his favor has not departed from you. It just feels like it, but it's sure and steadfast. Lord, I pray especially today, thanking you for the honor of just being a servant and an assistant to serve in the pastures of your sheep. For those who are brokenhearted and confused today, for those to whom this season is acutely painful, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would rise up and bear witness on the inside of them that you are the anointed one, that light dispels darkness every time, and that that darkness that they feel will give way the power of the light, the Word who has become flesh and is dwelling among us. Oh, hallelujah. closing song today. Let's sing it with all our hearts. Oh, come, let us adore you. Christ, the anointed one. blessing of the Lord internally and externally be revealed that removes burdens and breaks yokes your precious and holy name and all the people said well we'll see you next week God bless you You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.